We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This is Chris Biederman again. Kyle Madsen remains on vacation. He's out in Hawaii enjoying himself. Much deserved time off for him. But we have another very special guest this week. Um, we're recording this on Thursday. We got Eric Crocker of Striking Gold, our, uh, our, our other podcast covering the 49ers on, on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Croc, what's going on, man? Oh man, just just hanging out, ready to talk some Forty Nine er football as usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so Eric is a, uh, a a great follow on Twitter. Um, you you definitely do the deep dive into into draft prospects. So that's what we uh, we wanted to get you on to to talk about today and and all the options the Forty ers have potentially now at uh, at number twelve. And and given that the team is is sort of moving away from free agency, it doesn't look like there's going to be another significant move coming um, in free agency. I think the 49ers are mostly set now, now that they got Trent Williams and, and the slew of other guys back. Um, but Eric, I'm, I'm curious, you know, we, JC Horn worked out yesterday. I think he's a lot of people's favorite cornerback in the draft right now, particularly with Caleb fairly now, um, you know, it, it came out that he's, he's had recent back surgery. So that's going to be, um, a pretty significant question mark for him leading into the draft process. Um, I'm just curious, you know, in my opinion, in the in the little I've watched of Horn, I think he would be a really good pick for the 49ers at 12. Um, I've watched Patrick Sertan a little bit too, and uh, and think he would also be a good option. But they are a little bit different, it seems stylistically. It seems to me that Sertan might not be as flashy, but but he's solid. And somebody who yeah, I know he tested well, but his athleticism doesn't really jump off the screen when you watch him. And I think Horn is a little bit more athletic, but it might be that fundamentally that Sertan is a little bit more solid, while Horn might have more upside. Is is that an accurate assessment? And how do you view those two guys? And who do you think would be a better fit for for what the 49ers do defensively? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said Sertan. You know, he's not as flashy. You know, he's somebody he kind of just goes out there. 
he does his job um and he you know i think when when you say like you know his athleticism like it doesn't jump out on film you know a lot of people question like his speed and i was like nah like he can run the the issue is and what people are really seeing is he has a lack of twitch and suddenness so you know his change of direction and movements everything is kind of at one speed and it's fine especially when receivers are in front of you and i think he matches up very well against maybe like bigger receivers but when he has to like you know match up with maybe somebody that's a little bit smaller especially in space and then somebody kind of beats him off the line of scrimmage and he has to you know figure out how to recover you know his feet it's it's that's when like that twitch and suddenness it kind of is lacking and you can really see it in those situations a lot of times when I was watching his film early on, I'm like, man, this dude's film is kind of boring. But then when I realized, and you kind of touched on it as well, where you were like, he's, his technique is really good. And I think that's very consistent. He's probably one of the most consistent press corners I've seen in the sense of where he doesn't really put himself in like a bad position to where he has to recover. So it's something that didn't really show up until it showed up. And it showed up against guys. I mean, we're talking about, like, Elijah Moore. He just ran 4-3-something at his pro day today. So, you know, just those guys that are a little quicker, twitchier, I think those guys can kind of challenge him and his movement skills, which is usually the case for bigger corners. And, and then when you look at Sertain, you know, he's he's – I mean, not Sertain, excuse me, J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn, they, they are a lot different. He, he plays with this different level of, like, aggressiveness – uh, you know, everybody talks about, like, oh, I want a dog, I want a dog. Well, like, he's like the big dog. He's like the alpha male of this cornerback group. I don't know if you saw this, but I, I kind of retweeted it out today. There was, like, this camera on him, and he was like, you know, like, I'm the standard. I'm the standard in this group, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And what he means by that is, like, I don't I don't work out to, you know, see what someone else's numbers are and what they're doing. It's like they need to be looking at what I'm doing and, how, and the numbers I'm posting and what I'm doing on film. So he has that type of mentality, and he carries himself as such to where it's like, hey, when I'm on the field, you're going to feel me, you're going to feel my presence. You know, he has certain things that you can't teach. And, you know, we talked about Sertain and, and his technique. Like, I can teach technique. You know, obviously you can't teach certain size, 6'2", 208 pounds, and 8 pounds and runs, you know, in the 4'4s. Four that's crazy. But with Horn, who's who's big as well, shade under 6'1", uh, 205 pounds. But he has this, like, cockiness and, like, confidence about him that's really hard to teach. Like, you know, everybody points out the game, you know, against Auburn where, you know, he, like, just demoralized Seth Williams and pretty much made him, like, quit on the field. But that was him saying, hey, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guard him today. Like, that wasn't his coaches saying, hey, this is what the game plan, game plan is going to be. Uh, J.C. Horn, you're going to guard this guy. J.C. Horn went out of his way to say, hey, wherever he goes, I'm going. I'm going to follow him around, and I'm going to take him out of this entire game. And that's what he did. And, you know, he took on tough challenges. Um, there were several occasions in the Florida game where he guarded Kyle Pitts, you know, who's this six six tight end with great receiving skills, you know. So just his mindset, his aggressiveness, his willingness to always work, get better, you know, take constructive criticism extremely well. Uh, there's a lot to like about J.C. Horn. So he, he's just different. The, 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 the stuff on the field, like, that speaks for itself, what he did on film. But that mindset, that takes it to an even, you know, different level. And I know you asked about, like, how they fit with the 49ers. You know, I don't know. You know, it's hard to know, like, what exactly D'Amico Ryan is going to do. 
You know, I mm-hmm. think if with both of them, I would like to like them to be in more of a defense where they can be more at the line of scrimmage and use their aggressiveness, especially like with the 49ers. They haven't had any cornerbacks travel in years. Um, but J.C. Horn, I think if you don't have him following guys or, you know, especially big dogs in the 49ers division with uh, Hopkins and now A.J. Green and D.K. Metcalf, I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice to not put those type of challenges on him. So, you know, if you want somebody that's going to, like, take over and be that kind of leader and that kind of alpha male on the field and just kind of let him loose, I would say go with J.C. Horn. If you want somebody that might be, I don't want to say a little bit safer, but, okay, he's just going to do his job and we're just going to plug him into our defense, then I probably would go with Sertan. So Fairley is interesting from the standpoint, just the skill set. I mean, it, I think physically he might be the most physically gifted guy. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I'm, I'm a, a an expert. No, <laughs> you're, you're right. He, you is. Are. he is. But, but he, he, he seems super athletic um, and just really sticks to guys. But how worried are you about the injury history? And, and if he's, if he's there at 12, um, would you would you consider taking him, or do you think just given what the 49ers went through in 2020, there's a little bit too much risk there? Man, I mean, you, you'd have to consider it because I think he just has that type of, like, elite traits. And, again, I talk about things that are hard to teach. Like, the way that he attacks the ball in the air, his explosiveness out of his breaks, like, those things, I, with his size, that's really crazy. You know, I talked about twitch and suddenness that I didn't see from Sertain, you definitely see it from Farley. Now, you brought up his injury issues, and, I mean, that's – it's tough. Like, I don't think this is the first time that he's hurt the back. Like, I think this right. is, like, the second time he's hurt his back. He's had some other injuries. And they're saying he's going to be ready for a training camp, but it's just like, man, like, draft a guy, again, who, you know, after 49ers were the – what was it, like, the second most amount of injuries in the last 20 years. So you're coming off yeah. of a season like that, and then you're going to draft someone who has – have multiple back injuries and these other injuries where he hasn't even played a whole lot. And, like, where did this injury come from? Like, he didn't even play this past season. He opted out, you know? So, right. you know, I, there's – I really like him. I think it's just a little bit too risky for the 49ers who have been dealing with just far too many injuries, and they're trying to just stay healthy. I wouldn't draft somebody that's, you know, currently – when he steps – if he were to sign with the 49ers or get drafted by them, he'd be hurt and wouldn't be able to participate in, you know, rookie minicamp, OTAs, or anything like that. I, I'm out on him with the 49ers. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And and it seems like, you know, you, you read around the Internet and talk to people, it seems like a lot of people are saying there's going to be um, there there's going to be some good corners available maybe in round two that, that could potentially start. Um, do, you, do you feel the same way uh, about that? Do you think there, are gonna, there could be some potential high-level starters available early in round two? And are there any guys that you might be circling for San Francisco in that spot? Yeah, I kind of like, um, you know, so there's a, there are a couple corners from Georgia where they test it well, so we'll see if they fall to the second round. But if I had to guess, just kind of going off of their film, I would say they are more second-round second type guys with really high upside, and that's Eric mm-hmm. Stokes Jr. and Tyson Campbell. I, I really uh-huh. like both of those guys. Um, I think Tyson Campbell, he moves a little bigger than someone that's 6'1", 192 pounds. He moves more so like, you know, Sertain. I think even Sertain moves better than him, but Sertain outweighs him by like 18 pounds, you know. So right. um, I would like a little bit better movement skills, but, I mean, dude ran in the 4.3s. He's fast. He was like a 10.3 guy in high school in the 100-meter dash. So 
Um, I want to say he was like state champ in the 100 and 200, you know, in like Florida. So like we're talking about somebody who's really fast. Stokes, he, he's fast as well. He was the state champ in Georgia uh, in the 100 and 200 in high school. He too ran like a 10-3. So both of these guys are blazing. They have really high upside. They have good size. Um, Stokes measured in at 6'1", 196 pounds, so that's definitely good. But just kind of their uh, film says more day two, but I definitely could see them going day one. And then another guy, uh, Benjamin St. Juice, um, he's a Michigan transfer, transferred to Minnesota, and he reminds me a ton of Akella Witherspoon. Now, the biggest difference mm. between him and Witherspoon is I just see more natural aggressiveness from mm. St. Juice. So if you could just picture Witherspoon – like, with that kind of ability, movement skills, like, they're the same size, 6'3", 200 pounds. Um, I think uh, even with Witherspoon, he had really unique uh, movement skills for somebody w- w- that was his size, 6'3", 200 pounds. St. Juice is, like, a replica of that. But, again, I think he just gives you a little bit more aggressiveness. And, and if you were to cut on the first play um, of, Mich- of, of Minnesota against uh, Maryland, you see him, like, throw a receiver out the way, go in for the tackle, and I was like, oh. Okay, I see what type of guy this is. So um, he really is a lot like Witherspoon, has good movement skills and everything, has that aggressiveness. Um, I haven't seen him run. I know he went to the senior bowl and played well. We'll see if teams like him enough to take him in the first round because I I think I would take him there, but I just haven't heard anybody talking about him in that light. Yeah, so that's all great stuff on on the corners. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about receivers. And, And I think receiver could be a really interesting position for the 49ers, particularly at 12. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion, and, and maybe this will change, but I'm, I'm of the opinion that the top five quarterbacks are going to go um, before the 49ers pick. And I know, you know, people are – seems like people are split on Mac Jones a little bit, and I just keep coming back to the fact that, like, if Daniel Jones can go what – what did he go, six overall? Like, yeah. I think Mac Jones is a much better prospect than Daniel Jones, and if he can go top ten, then I think Mac Jones could absolutely go top ten. And, and if he, I feel like there are going to be some teams, you know, Pittsburgh – uh, New Orleans, playoff teams like that, maybe the Patriots. I know they weren't a playoff team last year, but there could be a team like that moving up. But all that's to say, I think there's a chance that maybe somebody like Jalen Waddell or, you know, uh, Devontae Smith or, or Jamar Chase could slide because there is going to be a run um, on these quarterbacks, and, and maybe that pushes some guys down. If you're the 49ers, and I know you have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, um, but if you're Kyle Shanahan and, you know, assuming you stick with Jimmy Garoppolo, which we'll talk about too in a little bit here, but is there a possibility that he could just say, hey, man, screw it. Like, if I could get another receiver and have three really good receivers, um, maybe that makes Jimmy Garoppolo look better. Um, maybe that takes the offense to just a different level. And, and the 49ers, I think, are probably going to need their offense to get significantly better this year because the defense – probably isn't going to be, you know, I don't think they can bank on the on the defense to be top five again this year. I think, you know, if they're top 10, top 12, and the offense is, you know, better than it was in 2019, maybe a top three or four offense in the league, then you're talking about a possible contender. But is there a scenario in your mind where you could see one of these receivers falling to the 49ers at 12? And do you think it would be smart for Kyle Shanahan to pull the trigger on one of those guys? So if you kind of just look at some of the things that Kyle Shanahan has done, especially with the receiver position, like they, they definitely address that position. I want to say they've drafted like two receivers in every draft. So at some point yeah. we know just history shows they're going to take somebody, especially with what's going on at the receiver position right now. 
it is extremely thin. You know, you have Debo Samuel, you have Brandon Ayuk, and then after that is what? Like Richie James and some dude Sheffield you just signed from the Cardinals. So, so it's not yeah, very, special like, teams guy. Yeah, and then obviously you have, you know, Juwan Jennings, you have Jalen Herbert. Those are two guys that have been dealing with injuries and everything right. and missed all the last year. Um, Hurd obviously missing two the first two years of his entire career. So, you know, it's really tough to kind of bank on those guys. So I just look at it like, look, like the 49ers have two receivers. <laughs> That's how I see it in my in my eyes. So it's definitely something right. that has to be addressed. Will they address it at pick 12? I would lean more towards no because I just the, just the value. It's like you already have your, your, your guys. And I think right now they probably would be looking just – more so for something that's very specific, like a speed demon, or like very specific, like, okay, we need a slot. And, you know, at 12, if, if it's me, and, and also you have to kind of factor in, okay, eventually Debo Samuel is going to be up for a contract. Like, if we draft a yeah. guy this high, are we extending Debo Samuel? I'm pretty sure they're going to start planning those type of things down the line. But, mm-hmm. you know, for my money, if it were me, like the, the only pass catcher I would take at 12 if I'm the 49ers is Kyle Pitts. And I know the 49ers already have a tight end, but they like to run a lot of different big formations. And Pitts brings a different element that the 49ers just don't have. And it's that really big pass catcher. I mean, dude's six foot six, and he has receiver skills. So I just think with Kyle Shanahan and, like, how he likes to kind of man- manipulate, you know, coverages and, and what teams do defensively, I think to throw a diff- another tight end in there and be able to use those bigger sets – and, you know, split him out wide, that messes up defensive personnel. Do you have a defensive back on the field, or are you going to try to cover him with a linebacker? A linebacker can't cover him. Cornerbacks can't even really cover him. So, you know, like, I think that would be a matchup nightmare, and it gives the 49ers a much, much needed, like, true red zone threat. And I know we have, like, George Kittle, terrific football player. He's not really a red zone threat like that. Like, he's not somebody who, hey, let's just split him out, let's throw the ball up to him. They haven't done that. Hey, like, George Kittle, can you really win with routes in the red zone in this tight area space? Haven't really seen that. They've had to kind of do more scheming them open. So I would say Pitts is somebody who would probably be on the field a lot. You could still use him as, I you know, I talked about being a slot receiver. He could be a big slot, um, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to use him in that role, but tight end as well. Like, you could just do so much stuff with him. I think that's the one position where I'm like, oh, God, I know I have George Kittle. I got these receivers, but this guy is just a little bit different, and I would have to do it. All these other receivers, I really like a lot of guys, but I'd struggle to take any receiver before Pitts because we've seen so many receivers come in and be very productive. Like whether you're taking taking in you know top 15 or second round, you know T Higgins last year, people don't really talk about it, but he had almost a thousand yards and he was a second round pick. So, and you know obviously we saw like you know Justin Jefferson have 1400 yards, and that's I mean that's very rare that that, that type of production. But there were a lot of guys kind of hovering between that. 700 to 900 yards, and I don't think it has to be someone that you just take at 12. Matter of fact, God, I was taking at 12 last year. He was maybe one of the more disappointing uh, rookies uh, that got drafted in the first round. So I probably wouldn't go to receiver out there. I, you know, if I am going to take a pass catcher, it definitely would be Pitts if he's there. And I think he just really bolsters up uh, what would be a loaded offense. And I feel like even George Kittle. I mean, we don't really talk about it, but he's dealt with a lot of injuries. And he's like 28 mm-hmm. years old. So it's not like George Kittle is just some, you know, super young or anything like that. So, you know, you'd have a guy who can feel it. And if George Kittle gets hurt, you also have a guy who, when George Kittle's contract is up, you already have your other guy in place. So I would kind of look at it like that as well. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense, too. And there are a few guys later in the draft, maybe day two or day three, that would make a lot of sense that, you know, the the classic, like, guys who play in the slot who could also offer some in the return game. I don't know if you've watched um, Daz Newsom out of North Carolina at all, but he's he's somebody who I think, you know, if he's, he's available in round four or five, I think he could come in and, and give you a boost both out of the slot and in the return game, and maybe Shy Smith too. I know he he ran fast in his uh, in his pro day. I forget exactly what what that time was, but I think it was four four sub four four range, something like that. But I do want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo because I've thought a lot about just where the 49ers are, obviously, but at quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think barring a trade for Deshaun Watson, which seems um, just about impossible right now, given given uh, the legal issues he's facing. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter, and I think that'll be the case even if they do draft up to take a quarterback. But I know, you know, I know there's a lot of people would like to see the 49ers move on from Garoppolo, just given that um, the contract number that he has and the 26 million um, that he's making. And and but now it seems like if you do get rid of Garoppolo, what are you going to spend that money on, right? Like all the big free agents are mostly gone. You're not going to make a big acquisition that you really need that cap space for. So for for me, it seems like it's worthwhile to to run it back with Garoppolo, see if he can improve off what he did in 2019. And, you know, there's a health issue, and that's that's obviously a big thing. And, and I, I was thinking about it like, you know, if you trade up for a quarterback or any first-round quarterback is basically a 50-50 proposition or worse, that that, that guy is going to be a successful player, somebody you can win with. And particularly in year one, it's going to be really hard to win with that quarterback, which is why I think if they do take a quarterback in round one, it's going to be somebody who backs up Garoppolo this year, and then you might develop him down the road to, to eventually replace him. And you make you, you essentially make Jimmy Garoppolo uh, you know, what Alex Smith was after the team drafted Colin Kaepernick. But, you know, there's so much talk about, you know, the 49ers need to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and draft somebody. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's health is a 50-50 proposition. If a rookie just in recent history, a rookie being less than 50-50 in terms of likelihood of becoming a, a good player right away, on top of potentially the cost it would take to move up in the draft and take a quarterback you like, given the unlikelihood that a guy maybe outside of Mac Jones is there at 12, it just seems to me like it makes the most sense for the 49ers to go a different direction. And, and maybe they, you know, I think trading for Gardner Minshew makes a ton of sense. Um, 
especially, you know, if it's something like a fifth round pick for him and you get him under contract for uh, less than, you know, two million combined over the next two years, given his starting experience, I think that makes a lot of sense because it gives the 49ers more flexibility in the draft. But I'm curious where you're at with Garoppolo and whether or not you think that there is, there's, you know, a quarterback or two that might be worth trading up for to get. Um, maybe not to start this year, but but somebody who could be a long-term answer for Kyle Shanahan, um, and whether or not you think it would be worth it for the 49ers to move up and get that guy if need be. All right, so there's a couple ways I would address it, you know, but um, if I were Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, you know, but first I would say, like, the 49ers, and, and they've told us, like, they believe in Garoppolo, at least in his ability to play at a level to where they can win games, and, and we've seen it. And I think people think back to 2019 – it wasn't as great as I think people think in their head. Like, the first half of the season, and he was coming off of a torn ACL, but it was really up and down. There were a lot of moments where, you know, I remember, you know, games where he was throwing for, like, less than 200 yards in several games, and a lot of times, like, it was, you know, the the Panthers game, the 49ers put up 51 points, and I, I think maybe he had, like, maybe a touchdown pass and, like, one interception, like, 100-something passing yards, so, you know, they, they didn't really, like, need him to take over like that. And while he was still trying to progress, and obviously as the season went on, he got better and better. I'm still, in the, like, one of the people that think, like, hey, you can't win with him. I think my biggest issue with Garoppolo, aside from, you know, health, and that's a huge issue, you know, missing two out of, you know, three years since being paid, you're not going to be able to win with a backup quarterback. So that that that's a huge right. issue there. But the other part is I, I think he kind of limits the offense a little bit. Um, he doesn't consistently throw outside the numbers. He doesn't look like he's very comfortable throwing downfield or throwing, like, contested passes. It doesn't really look like he throws receivers open too much. Like, we saw him do it. Um, and, it's, and, like, that's when you know it's bad when you can just think of, like, specific moments, you know, where it's like, hey, yeah. against Arizona Cardinals on uh, Halloween night, he threw this out route to Emmanuel Sanders. And, like, that's the route we have to go to to, like, show him throwing with great anticipation and throwing someone clearly open. But most of, more times than not, it's a lot of scheme. And I will say he's very accurate for the most part on underneath passes where, you know, slant route, boom, he can hit a guy in stride, catch and run. He can execute that way. I think a lot of people have kind of said he's more of a system quarterback. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think if he has to play outside the structure of the system, I think that's where it's like big time hit and miss. Um, and he doesn't really create much outside. And now, again, we can point to certain plays where he has – but it's not something that he can really do on a drive-to-drive basis. All right, so he kind of limits the offense in that way. People kind of got people thinking like, hey, well, Kyle Shanahan, this is his offense, slants and quick throws. And it's like, well, no, if you go back and you watch him in Atlanta, they actually threw the ball more than they ran it, and they were throwing the ball downfield. Now, maybe somebody will say, what about Julio Jones? Well, who's to say? We don't know what our 49er receivers are because we don't even try to really throw downfield. And when they did, finally, with Nick Mullins, Brandon Ayuk was very successful. So, you know, when you look at it kind of from that standpoint, it's like, man, kind of limits the offense, can't stay healthy. All right. Now, as far as drafting a guy, I would say this is really the, the most ideal scenario for a rookie quarterback to come in to. You know, and it kind of reminds me of you talked about the Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith thing, but I, I would even go, you know, Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, where Mahomes, right. someone right. with really high upside, had to maybe sit and kind of learn, you know, he came from an air raid offense and whatnot. And I don't even know how much him sitting helped because he plays the exact same way he played at Texas Tech. <laughs> but, um, you know, him being able to sit and, you know, just take everything in, 
get one game under his belt, you know, at the end of the year and then take over the next year. Obviously, that like that's a unique situation in the success that Mahomes has had since then. But just in a situation where, hey, you come in, you don't have to play right now. You can just soak all this in. There's no no rush mentally. And, hey, you're also coming into this offense with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. You just got to turn around and hand the ball off to them, and they can take it, you know, 80 yards. Oh, by the way, you got George Kittle, and we got different things, misdirection stuff we do with Debo Samuel, and you have Brandon Ayuk. So I think any rookie quarterback would be like this is the ideal scenario. And then if you do have a rookie quarterback come in, next year you can let Garoppolo go, and you have tons of money to really be able to build a legit roster around a young guy with Trent Williams protecting his blind side. So um, guys that I've kind of, like, identified, you know, there's, okay, here are the Kyle Shanahan guys, right, that we know, like, okay, I, th- I know he likes this guy. But if it were me, if we're saying first round and who I would trade up for, I probably wouldn't trade up for Mac Jones because I don't think he he's really good and he executes very well. And I know Kyle Shanahan would like him. But I just don't see the, like, the upper tier, like, ceiling you know I see him as somebody who is more and we've all heard this but maybe a Matt Ryan maybe he might be able to be that but I think you know if I'd say on the low end I'd say maybe like Kirk Cousins where that's fine but Washington struggled to yeah it's like big upgrade over Garoppolo no it's not to me it's not a big enough upgrade and I guess it's safe but I don't think it's like oh I want Matt Jones to sit behind him and develop and then he can be another Jimmy Garoppolo like Nah, but I would go up and get Trey Lance. I mean, uh, Trey Lance or uh, Justin Fields. And when I look, especially I look at Justin Fields, it's like, look, Kyle, he (laughs) is able to do everything. He's able to do everything. Does he need to maybe play with more anticipation? You know, can he, are there things that he can clean up? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are. But, hey, you get paid a lot of money, Kyle. (laughs) You get paid a lot of money to be this (laughs) genius. So be a genius and take this guy with this super high ceiling. Let him sit behind Garoppolo. And he is a guy who wants to throw. Like, he's not just this running quarterback. He just runs it. He just happens to run a 4-3, you know. But he wants to throw. Hey, let's utilize him. Let's build him up. Let's have him sit behind Garoppolo, soak everything in. And then next year he comes in with all these weapons and even more added pieces when you factor in the money that the 49ers have available to be able to build around them. So if I'm going first round, it's probably one of those guys. And Trey Lance, he just has to, like, he just hasn't played a whole lot. But, again, his yeah. his traits are really high. If I'm going later than that, if I'm going later to first round, and those are guys I would trade up for. Now, if at pick 12, if you want to take Mac Jones, like, all right. But I probably would go with a more elite skill set guy, especially if some if all these quarterbacks get drafted early. And, mm-hmm. you know, a guy like Kyle Pitts falls to me, I would have to kind of take him. <laughs> But um, I think later, and I've been watching this guy, and I I look at Davis Mills. And I know his his name has kind of been traveling around 49ers Twitter lately. But when I watched Davis Mills, I wasn't even watching him at first. I was watching Cameron Bynum, cornerback from Cal. And then I just started looking at this quarterback and some of the throws he's making, and I'm like, wow, this looks like Kyle Shanahan quarterback. He's under center probably 50% of the time, if not more. I think he's he's really good at processing. Um, people talk about, like, going through reads. That's something that we have to project with uh, with Justice, Justin Fields. We don't have to – we don't have to project that with Davis Mills. He goes through his reads well, understands where to throw it, understands where his check down is. He can make all the throws. You know, he's mobile enough. He, you know, he ran like uh, four, five, eight unofficial. Then I think his official was like four, eight. 
which is still fine. I mean, Garoppolo damn, damn near ran a five flat. So, you know, he ran well <laughs> enough, um, and he shows that mobility um, when you watch his film where he will take off and pick up 10 yards, 15 yards. So he'll do those things. But his arm is big enough. He's very accurate enough. He throws with good timing and rhythm. I think the biggest thing that he needs to kind of fix is, one, he hasn't played a whole lot either. He's dealt with some injuries. And, two, he is a little risky sometimes with the ball and will throw – uh, turnover have turnover worthy plays and we already see that from Garoppolo but in the sense of like hey a day two guy you know second round or third round who I want to draft and develop I think he has all the traits to where he can still be a level above a guy like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo he just needs to kind of like settle down a little bit with some of his decision making but he does a lot of things very well you know just you know, he just hasn't played a whole lot, and he's had some injuries. David Shaw, his coach thinks if he were to return back to school, he could be a top, you know, five pick next year. And if and when you watch his film, I, I could see why he would say that. Like, is he there mm-hmm. right now? No, but I, I could see why he thinks, hey, if this guy comes back and he just settles down and he just consistently plays for a full year, this dude can be a top pick. I, I see it a little bit. Yeah, and I think the interesting question is, like, you look at what happened with the Packers, right? And obviously these are different situations, and Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely not Aaron Rodgers. But if you take a quarterback early in the draft, particularly in the first round, and with the 49ers it would be a lot earlier than the Packers took uh, Jordan Love last year. But there's a question of, well, do you, is it worth it to pick a quarterback who you're going to develop and maybe who's not going to contribute to potentially going or trying to get to a Super Bowl in 2021 versus getting somebody more ready-made, right? Like if you pass up on somebody like J.C. Horn or uh, Patrick Sertain, like those guys are probably going to play a lot for you and maybe even start for you from the jump. And and presumably if they're, if they're the prospects we think they are, they're going to be key players for the defense just in year one, whereas a backup quarterback isn't going to help you that way. Um, initially, at least if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy. So where do you fall on on trying to to find that balance of making the right pick both verse you know both in the long run and in the short term? Because I think the 49ers believe and and you know talking to players and everybody's saying you know we believe in Jimmy and Jimmy's going to be a starter and all that. But regardless of that, like how do you find that balance of okay we do want to keep the big picture in mind and maybe have a backup plan for Garoppolo and somebody we can start long term? versus we need guys that can help us win a Super Bowl right now. You know, I, I just kind of go off of what, like, you know, their actions and what they've done, and mm-hmm. I I think they want to move off of him. I just don't think they can. So if you drafted somebody, like, I think, you know, you look at the Packers situation, it's like, well, we're waiting for Aaron Rodgers to decline and fall off, but then, well, he just might not, you know. But right. with the 49ers situation, it's like, look, we want to replace him. We just can't. We sniffed around Stafford. The price was too high. We heard the Panthers offer a pick eight in Bridgewater. We can't compete with that. We sniffed around Deshaun Watson maybe, but uh, the price tag's too high, and now he's in all this weird stuff that he has going on. So I think with the 49ers, they were in a spot where it's like, man, we would like to move on from him, but we just can't. So right now, look, he's our guy. And I think everybody else is saying, like, the right things. And I look at it like, well, what are they supposed to say? You know, and I right, think right. a lot of it is true. I do think they, they like him and that he's a, a great leader and, you know, all those things. But when you look at his play, you guys can say whatever you want. He's missed two out of the more better part of two out of the last three years, and that's unacceptable. So, and even then, like I said before, 
he I, even with that, I think he limits the offense. So I think with the 49ers, it would be a different scenario because I think they'd really be prepping. It, it would be more like the Kansas City Chiefs, who yeah. just went to the divisional round playoffs. Um, they went, you know, with Alex Smith. They're playing very well. And even then, they were like, you know what? We we have to figure out a way to get better and more explosive at this quarterback position. They traded up from, like, pick 25 to pick 10 um, to be able to grab – or they might have been picked 27 to pick 10 to grab Patrick Mahomes because – and Mahomes wasn't going to play that year. But they just knew – we have to get better at this position. And even then, even with Alex Smith that year, they still went to, like, divisional rounds and then got rid of him, <laughs> you know. So I right. think I could see something, you know, similar with their thought process on Jimmy Garoppolo where it's like, look, you know, yeah, he's fine, but, but if we can upgrade, we will. And Kyle Shanahan has said that. So, you know, yeah. it's just how do you upgrade? And I think right now the only way to upgrade from Garoppolo – is to draft somebody that has more talent. And and, and with Garoppolo, he plays. The 49ers are going to do well. Will they be picking again yeah. this high? Like, you know, and that's another thing. Like, I, I don't think so. So, if say he doesn't work out this year and you didn't draft a quarterback, but, you know, it was really up and down and it didn't look right, you're going to find yourself back in the same position. Then you got to do something desperate like the Rams and trade everything and their quarterback to try to bring in an older quarterback. You know, you don't want to be in that position. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense, and I, I think that's all that's all good stuff. And and fortunately, we'll we'll finally have an opportunity to hear from Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, the Forty ers um, announced before we started recording this that that those two are going to speak for the first time since early January. And I'm certainly going to ask a question along those lines of trying to balance, you know, winning now versus thinking about the future. And I'm sure they're going to speak in platitudes, but I, I'm I'm just curious to hear um, what they're going to say. Do you, is there anything? I mean, we haven't we we didn't really dish on the pass rushers, and we'll have plenty of time. And and um, I'm I'm telling you now, I'm going to ask you to come on before the draft again at, at some point, <laughs> yeah. so we can so we can talk about other prospects. But is, do you have a guy uh, like I know a lot of draft people have have guys that they really like, maybe not elite prospects, but somebody in in you know the second or third or maybe in the fourth round that you like. I really like this guy. I think he's going to be successful in the league and. And uh, somebody you think the 49ers should take? Is there anybody like that for you? I can't think of anybody off the top of my head right now, but I know I picked 12. Okay. I would love to have J.C. Horn. And I, I just look at yeah. the 49ers and a lot of the holes that they've been able to fill and what we're now, it's like, hey, there are no major holes. I feel like they can take more so best player available. But that cornerback, that's an issue. You got Verrett, who has had you know injury issues. And, okay, last year he played and he was healthy. He's back on a one-year contract, so there's no long-term stability at that spot. Mm -hmm. Then you look at the other yeah. side, and you have Emmanuel Mosley. And even with Mosley, you know, you um, at the end of the year, they elected to play Witherspoon over him on the outside and Dante Johnson over him in the slot. So it was like, well, how high are they on Mosley when they made him go play special teams while Witherspoon, who they knew was leaving, you know, they, they started him on the outside. So – I have big-time questions about the cornerback position. There really is no long-term answer there. I would love for them to be able to take a corner there, whether it's Sertain or Horn or whoever, but let's solidify that position because I think that's something where, you know, it's an expensive position if you try to go the free agent route. Let's draft somebody. you got some really good corners that are really talented at the top of this class. Go get you one. And, shoot, you might have to get you a couple of them. <laughs> so maybe one in the yeah, first, Yeah, I think they're going to take two third. corners. Yeah. yeah, and, um, you know, address that position that way so you're not trying to 
you know, patch up a position that can be really important, especially when you have DK Metcalf, AJ Green, and DeAndre Hopkins in your division. Yeah. Well, Crockett, it was great having you on, man. Like I said, we're going to have you on um, before the draft uh, again at some point. And, uh, guys, check out Crock Talk on Patreon with Eric Crocker. He's got a bunch of great draft-related content. Follow him on Twitter and uh, and definitely subscribe to Striking Gold if you don't already. You and Rob uh, do a great job over there. And, um, and yeah, I look forward to having you on again, man. This was, this was great, and uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Anytime. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.